Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. As much as science permeates our lives, we don't often understand how to use it to make informed decisions about our lives. Sometimes even teachers don't fully comprehend it. Joshua Reed, a postdoctoral assistant with the Tennessee STEM Education Center, is co-author of a study that delves deeply into how teachers process the concept of the nature of science and the possibility of using an additional tool to analyze teachers' ability to make connections among various aspects of the nature of science. We'll make some connections of our own after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. MTSU is one of 16 institutions across the country participating in the Association of Public and Land-Grant Universities Powered by Publics Initiative. Each of these institutions receive an additional $15,000 investment and support to advance student-centered transformation. Participating institutions will engage in an in-depth institutional needs assessment and will share student success data, receive targeted professional development and technical assistance based on needs in advising, college readiness policy, and digital learning. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is funding the effort. MTSU's Quest for Student Success 2013-2016 was launched in 2013 and involved the hiring of 47 additional advisors, the implementation of an advising platform with data analytics, the redesign of key courses, and learning supports such as extensive tutoring and supplemental instruction. Since then, retention and graduation rates have increased to record levels. And numerous MTSU School of Agriculture students prepared special ag bags for more than 1,100 Rutherford County fourth graders and teachers. This year's Spring into Agriculture theme, Planting the Seeds for Future Needs, helped educate children and their families about the importance of agriculture. In a partnership with Rutherford County Farm Bureau, the bags contained agriculture-related items, including crayons and coloring books, 4-H club and wildflower seed packets, farm-to-fridge books, beef council, cow and Tennessee electric pencils, items from Lucky Lad Farms in Eagleville, and more. The agritourism class and other agriculture students were joined by instructor Alana Vaughts and graduate teaching assistant Emily Gill in making those deliveries to area schools. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Josh, welcome. Thank you for taking time to be with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk about this. First, let's define what is meant by the phrase nature of science. Yeah, that's actually a really great question. Um, and as a question that's been put, that's been debated about for quite a few years now, um, when we refer to the nature of science in our work as education, as science education researchers, we're, we're referring to the, the embodiment or the essence of what it means to do science. What does it mean to be scientifically true? Like what makes a scientific fact a fact, right, if you will? Um, and understanding how we get to that point. Um, so it's really important, for example, for students and teachers, if they're going to be studying science or teaching science to understand how science actually works, but also how it differs from other disciplines. Um, some, of the, uh, some of that being um, science is oftentimes thought of as being an objective um, thing that we do to study the world, um, when in reality, it's a very subjective process that we engage in. So overall, the nature of science, when we think about that, we're referring to 
how do we understand the natural world? What are the ways that we understand the things around us? How is it important in making connections among various aspects of scientific issues? It's very important, I would argue. Um, and that really comes from this idea that we, we can think about knowledge and um, understanding in multiple ways. And one way we think about that is just knowledge as these disconnected ideas and facts, right? Like I know um, maybe that we learn something about um, photosynthesis and science, but I'm not really sure how that connects to, um, let's say, evolution of organisms and things like that. Um, so within science, all these different ideas and topics are interconnected in some way. And so understanding how science is interconnected isn't a critical aspect of scientific literacy then. Um, it's not just knowing the science, it's understanding how the science relates to one another. What methodology did you use for purposes of this paper, uh, you and your co-authors, I should say, in uh, assessing the three teachers' comprehension of the nature of science? Yeah, so we used two different methodologies um, in this particular paper because the purpose was to not really to compare them, but to see what both of them could give us together. Um, the, the first methodology was a, the traditional analysis where we used um, a instrument, a survey-based instrument, um, where we asked, we gave teachers different um, scenarios or different questions, and they wrote out their responses to them. And each of the questions was based on some aspect of the nature of science. So it could have been a question about how science is tentative and, and that it changes all the time, or a question about um, how science, scientific um, knowledge comes from creativity. And so we, the traditional way is we just, um, we administer the survey to the teachers or to the participants, um, they respond and we read through that and code it their, their responses based on how accurate they are, if you will. Um, and we use terms like informed, naive, transitional, based on how accurate those statements are. That's the traditional way of looking at how someone understands the nature of science. What that is missing though, is that goes back to these uh, this idea of disconnected facts. The VNOS is really good about helping us understand whether or not students have informed views of the different pieces of science. What it doesn't really tell us as much is how those ideas are connected in a student's mind. How are they making connections across different ideas of science um, and of the nature of science? And so we use an additional methodology, which is a little bit more novel um, in our field right now, which is a network analysis method. And so what, we're, what we were wanting to study was, do can we see growth and development in terms of how they connect different ideas? So can we see differences in the way that they think about these things, not just whether or not they understand them? Um, and so we used an, uh, what we are calling individual epistemic network analysis. And really simply, that is a, what we do is we say, okay, you mentioned these are the five aspects of the nature of science in your responses. And what we do is we draw connections among them. Did you mention the idea of science being tentative alongside science being subjective? If so, what we would argue is that those two things seem to go together for you. Um, you those things are connected in your mind. And what we argue is that that is a um, measure of expertise or of understanding. The more connected those things are 
typically the more understanding there is associated with that. And so we use a new mob, a new method that IENA to model that those connections. And that just allows us to take qualitative data from the written responses and turn it into um, more um, different visualizations. We can visualize it differently. And then it allows us to use more quantitative robust measures to understand it. And the VNOS that you referred to earlier, the, the more tra traditional method of analysis, is an acronym which stands for what? Views of the nature of science. So that is, that is, and there's many different types of that instrument. There's different versions, if you will. Um, they all are essentially getting at the same concept, but some of them are validated for teachers, like the ones that we use. Some of them are validated for elementary grade students. And so obviously the questions would have to be different for those scales. Um, and so we used a specific one for teachers though that got at the characteristics that we were most um, concerned with at this point. And in your study, you had three teachers, all K through 12, right? And with different levels of understanding and different levels of experience in teaching science, right? Yeah, so um, the three that we had, um, Allie, Carol, and May. Um, one of was a more elementary focused um, generalist, if you will. Um, I believe that this individual is actually trying to go, she was in grad school to be a little bit more specialized in STEM fields, but typically in elementary school, you're generalist. You don't specialize in science or math or reading necessarily. Um, because the one teacher is teaching all of the disciplines in the same classroom at that stage of the kids' development, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the, in elementary, they do. They, they, these journalists are really amazing individuals because they're able to um, synthesize so many disciplines together, which is why some of this work that we were doing was important, right? With the, the idea of connecting ideas um, is really important in that case too, right? Um, so we had the elementary and then we had the, an individual who was teaching more of a middle school level of sciences um, and then the individual who is more of a high school base. Okay. We will take a break right here and return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brown bag series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking with Joshua Reed, who's a postdoctoral assistant with the Tennessee STEM Education Center at MTSU, and a study he co-authored uh, that goes into a, a different type of assessing how well teachers understand the nature of science. How do working teachers get to the point where they're teaching science, but they have yet to fully appreciate the nature of science? Is 
is it one thing you can put your finger on? Is it the edu education classes that they take in college? Is it the scientific community that has yet to fully grasp how to explain science to, you know, not only a lay audience, but an audience of children? What's, what's your feeling on that? Yeah, phenomenal question. Um, and I, it is hard to pinpoint just one thing. There are many factors that go into play of whether or not someone um, understands the nature of science, including, like you mentioned, educational experience, um, cultural backgrounds even um, can influence that. So, and, and that's because science in, in reality is culturally and socially influenced. Um, so the culture you come up, you grow up with, for example, we know that religiosity, um, political affiliations, those types of things influence different aspects of how you understand science. Um, Evolution, so, climate change, you, you right, could rattle exactly. off a list of issues, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot that we could talk about with that right now. Um, uh, vaccinations, those types of things. Uh, and all of those, uh, understanding those core um, scientific ideas, these theories and things, requires a basic level of understanding of what just science is. And so we know that nature of science then is influenced by education, it's influenced by culture, it's influenced by a variety of things. Particularly with education though, nature of science is often implicitly embedded in the curriculum, meaning it is not at the forefront. It's not the primary concern if you take a undergraduate biology course, right? You're gonna, you go in as a student expecting to learn pure biology, and even as the instructor, that's what your goal is, is to teach biology. So this idea of understanding the nature of science often gets swept under the rug. And so it perpetuate this, perpetuates generations that they don't fully understand what this is. And this includes teachers. And another issue with the teachers, though, is that they also don't receive ma many courses in science. Um, typically, um, depending on the university, unless you're, you're majoring in a science, if you're just doing a generalist like an elementary or maybe a middle school teacher in some cases, you may take one, maybe two science courses. And so you really don't have the time or the opportunities to develop that robust understanding of what science is. How do you define uh, alternative, transitional, and informed stages of understandings of the nature of science? Because those are three different phases that uh, a person can go through in uh, making sure that their uh, comprehension progresses to a state where they want it to be as an educator. For instance, alternative um, understandings are those that are not accurate or do not reflect the true nature of science. For instance, um, we've ha I've had individuals talk to me, your students talk with me before about this, and they make statements such as, um, scientific knowledge does not change. What we know today is what we've always known, um, and we just add to that. We don't ever expand on what we have. And that's not fully correct. Science is constantly changing. We're constantly updating what we know and what our theories are. Um, with the addition of like new evidence and things like that. So that would be like an alternative conception or alternative understanding. And then I wanna go to the other extreme first. The informed understanding would say something like, science does change, our scientific understandings do change with the addition of new evidence because it is a subjective and socioculturally influenced thing, body of knowledge. 
that is a much more robust way of thinking about how science evolves and it, it is much more informed and aligned with what experts and philosophers of science would say. And then the transitional are for those that sort of fall in the middle. They may show characteristics of an alternative conception or of a more informed, um, and they're sort of mixed in together. So it's really just a characterization of how um, accurate and reflective they're being of the nature of science. Uh, the least experienced teacher, Allie, emphasized experiments as the way to do science. And a lot of lay people would likely believe the same thing based on their knowledge that experiments in the laboratory are the way science takes a hypothesis and takes it out of the realm of, for example, seeing a shooting star in the sky, in the sky and thinking it's an omen from God or something along those lines. What is actually the more informed understanding with regard to the role experiments play in the nature of science? Um, and so I think the more informed understanding would be that experiments are a component of your scientific toolbox, right? It's just one tool in your toolbox as a scientist. And, and the reason why the experiments are so um, prevalent in people's ideas of what science is, is because that's typically what we hear the most about, right? And when we think about people, uh, medical-based research, um, things that are done with like crops and things like that, most of those things you would want to see some type of experimental design for before you took some kind of new medicine, right, as a patient. But that's not the only way science works. We can, like paleontologists, for example, they can't use ex necessarily experimental methods, right, because what they study is things in the past. Um, Which makes their discipline no less scientific, right? Correct, correct. Yeah, it doesn't make it no less scientific. It, it, they have a different set of tools that they use because the the nature of what they're studying is different than, say, um, a chemist, for example, right? Or a geneticist who may do thousands of replicates of the same thing just to confirm that what they found is quote unquote true. Uh, but observations and inferences are another powerful way to make to understand our natural world. So paleontologists do this when they look at fossils. Um, astronomers do this when they study um, the, the uh, space systems, um, other planets and things like that. So they don't obviously necessarily rely on experimental methods because you can't really control another planet, right? Um, and so there are many different ways to do science. And I, one of the biggest takeaways from that aspect, I think, or from that concept is in education, in our classrooms, we often teach the we often teach science from a scientific method perspective. And we show one way, a list of steps to go through, right? You make an observation, you form a hypothesis, you do this, da, da, da. That's not really how science works though. Number like there's more ways to do that. You may not always have an experimental design. You may have to go back and reformulate your hypothesis at some point because it was rejected. Maybe you rejected it, um, which happens quite often. Um, and so there are a lot of misconceptions around that that students don't fully understand. And the reason why those are imp that's important to understand is because when they're going to make decisions, say five, 10 years when they're voting or when they're doing something else in their jobs, the kind of, um, they, they need to be prepared to use um, multiple processes to get to an answer, 
they need to be able to do to get to whatever there is trying to get to in multiple ways. Uh, Carol, the second most experienced teacher, she didn't understand the roles of scientific theories and laws. Could you delve into that a little bit and in what the roles of scientific theories and laws are in the nature of science? So the theory and law um, concept in the nature of science is another <laughs> critical one that we often see misconceptions with. Um, and the biggest misconception is that a theory can become a law. And that is not true at all. Um, in science, we do have laws. Laws are just observations that, that are repeated, essentially, right? If I throw a pin up in the air, it will come back down, right? Gravity helps us explain that. Um, but th there's law, like Newton's laws help us explain that as well. Mm -hmm. So those are typically pretty static and they don't change. Um, a theory, on the other hand, is just an explanation. It, it's just something that it, it's an explanation for something that we did observe, right? Um, if I throw this pin up in the air, we can come up with probably 10 to 20 really quick reasons, explanations of why it fell back down. Only one of those is going to be more plausible, more reasonable, and have more evidence to support it. And so gravity comes about, right? We say gravity, and therefore it's a theory. That's the theory. Theories come from hypotheses. They, we generate a hypothesis, which is what we think is going to happen. We do lots of repeated experiments over years and years and years. And once we have enough evidence for something, for that same, for that thing, we can, we then as a scientific community say, this has been um, evidenced enough to be a theory, essentially. And there's no cutoff for that. Um, the problem is when students start thinking a theory can then become a law but they're really different concepts. A law is the observation, a theory is what ex explains that observation. And May was the most experienced teacher and she seemed to have overall the most informed understanding. How did, how did she exemplify this? Yeah, in, in similar ways that we've been discussing, um, in terms of being an informed, having an informed understanding, she was able to articulate and explain these different concepts of the nature of science in a way that we would expect someone who has a good grasp on the subject to, to explain them. But yeah, she wasn't actually an interesting case though. We'll take another break right here. We will return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Experiential Learning Scholars Program at MTSU gives students a chance to go outside the classroom and obtain hands-on experience in their chosen fields of study. They'll have the opportunity to give something back to the community through service learning as they gain acceptance for graduate study. Students should be able to select EXL-designated courses from major requirements and general studies requirements to complete the 16 to 18 hours of EXL coursework. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking about the nature of science and uh, the depths to which teachers who teach in K through 12 
uh, understand it and are able to communicate it to their students with Joshua Reed, who is a postdoctoral assistant with the Tennessee STEM Education Center. The study that you and your co-authors did, how do you think that uh, other researchers can use it as a jumping off point to explore related aspects of this issue? Uh, for example, May, although she, from the traditional analysis, it didn't really look like she changed pre to post because she already had informed views at the beginning. So we sort of hit a ceiling effect with her. Except when we use the ENA model methodology, we were able to see that through the course of the semester, even though she had informed views, she was able to more tightly connect them. And so that's something that's not been highly explored in this research area, the nature of science is, how well or how do students connect these ideas and so potential avenues moving forward that i'm interested in some of my colleagues are interested in thinking about is how do these network models compare to those of an expert right we know what the venos could look like compared to an expert but what do the actual networks themselves look like is there a fair way to compare those also applying this method to other um, venos instruments or other types of data sources um, besides the VNOS even. So one thing that we're working on now is how we apply this method to a non-survey type instrument. So like a reflective journal, some of the students in this class, they would keep a reflective journal throughout the semester. Um, and we're wondering, is there a way to use that data? Is there a way we can use this method to look at multiple data sources so that we can get a more holistic picture of what's going on? And then also, I think this really just opens up the door to really start thinking about interventions that we could do. So it's one thing to think about an intervention in terms of how do we move someone from um, alternative to more informed views, but it's another way, another thing to think about interventions in terms of how do we help students build tighter connections of these ideas. Are you thinking in terms of uh, experiential hands-on learning as far as that's concerned? I think that there's some of that to be implemented in here for sure, yes. So. Like the course in here had a lot of that that they went through, so that's definitely would be part of it. The paper is titled Making Connections Using Individual Epistemic Network Analysis to Extend the Value of Nature of Science Assessment. And what is the name of the journal in which it was published? Science and Education. That's Joshua Reed, Joshua dot R-E-I-D at mtsu.edu. Josh, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There's no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Jimmy Hart has the middle moment. MTSU freshman Presley Hamby of Murfreesboro was the grateful winner of a virtual one-on-one session with NFL player and financial literacy educator Brandon Copeland, 
who gave a keynote lecture to students recently as part of the university's Financial Literacy Week activities. Here's some of what Hamby said she learned. A lot of his seminar was based on if we don't believe in ourselves, then nobody else will. And so we kind of took that, you know, segue into internships, uh, you know, as college students, as we move on our next four years, we're going to be applying for internships. And we're also moving forward when we enter the workforce going to be um, approached with investment opportunities. Um, We have to kind of find that within ourselves, um, navigate whether we truly believe in the things that we're investing in and whether we truly believe in the things that we're going to be pursuing in the workforce and that we need to do our own due diligence and do research on ourselves. We can't rely on anyone else to do it for us. That's MTSU on the record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University is produced by the university's marketing and communications office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.